garage. Having a great time in the Bahamas, hashtag blessed. So thankful for all these beautiful birthday wishes from friends and family, hashtag blessed. My life is going so well, the dean's parking spot is open for me. Hashtag majorly blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Is it, is it a wealth thing? Is it a material thing? Um, I, I would guess that most of us would resist equating a blessing with, with just financial wealth or whatever, but I would also guess that even the most careful among us would probably say, man, my life is going so well, God must really be blessing me. So is that what blessing is, like circumstantial success? Is that, is that what it's about? What does it mean to be blessed? Is it a lack of tragedy, a lack of illness, good circumstances, wealth? What does it mean to be blessed? Let me complicate it a little bit more. How do we get blessed? Not just what does it mean to be blessed in God's world, how do we get God's blessing? Um, we are in America, the, the, the nation of the self-made woman and the self-made man. If, if we're going to get blessed, it's because we've, we're going to work our tails off to get blessed. That's what it's about, right? In fact, um, this has sort of even crept into the church. I, I, I name these uh, gentlemen intentionally, uh, but with humility. But you can think of others. I can think of... Um, Preachers like Joel Osteen or Creflo Dollar or other televangelists. I think it's sort of important to say their names so that you know what they teach. There is a sense in which they teach that uh, the Scriptures say, if you bless God, He'll bless you. Or if you do all the right things, if you give money to my ministry, they may say, then you'll be blessed. Is that what blessing means? Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14, clarifies today for us what it means to be blessed, what, what, what it means to be blessed in God's world, what God means by blessing, by blessing. Three truths from Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, in his uh, prayer for the church at Ephesus, gives us three truths about what it means to be blessed. Here they are all at once, and then we'll walk through them together. First, God's blessings are comprehensive. They are comprehensive, all-inclusive. Nothing gets left out. We'll talk about it. Second, God's blessings are centered in Christ. They are indissolubly connected with Jesus Christ. You cannot disconnect them. And third, God's blessings are costly, very costly. The catch is, though, that you don't have to pay. All right? Comprehensive, centered in Christ, and very costly. The message from Ephesians chapter 1 on blessings. Here we go. Take your scripture. Uh, we will find it printed on the last page of your bulletin. Follow along with me through this very dense passage. You should know this is one of the most, um, this is one of the most packed passages of scripture in the New Testament uh, pertaining to Christian doctrine. This is a wealth of information about who you are as a Christian in Jesus Christ. First, God's blessings are comprehensive, all-inclusive. They are complete. They, they, they lack nothing. When you come to a personal relationship with God, you don't just get part of God's blessings, you get all of them. What does Paul say 
the very opening of our passage. He says, blessed be the God and Father and so on, who has blessed us in Christ with what? With what? Every what? Every spiritual blessing. Not with some of His spiritual blessings, with every spiritual blessing. Every single one. Later on in the passage, Paul uses phrases like, freely bestowed on you. God has, he used the word, lavished upon you his grace, his blessings, his love, forgiveness, redemption, adoption. God is not poor, my friends. God is not poor. For those who are in Christ, God's blessings upon you come from an endless and infinite supply. Paul says it is from God's riches. That is to say, God still has more blessings in the back. He didn't empty his wallet. He's got more. It's from his riches of love, the riches of forgiveness, riches of wisdom, riches of holiness, riches of power that we get a little bit of those blessings. God's blessings are comprehensive. Now listen, on reading this passage, um, you might have almost been lost in the amount of blessings that Paul enumerates. This sort of makes sense because did you know that in the original language, in Greek, this is one long run-on sentence. If you're an apostle or a saint, you can get away with that. It is one run-on sentence in Greek, over 200 words. One sentence. God's blessings are comprehensive. And I think Paul just about tried to include them all in one sentence. What are they? You're chosen, you're made holy, you're made blameless, you're adopted as His children, you're redeemed, you're forgiven. You've been given the secret wisdom of God for all the ages that He's going to bring everything together, including you, under the reign of Jesus Christ. You have obtained an inheritance. Which of these blessings do you need this morning? Which of them do you need? Friends, you don't get part of God's blessings now and the rest later. You get everything all at once in Jesus Christ. In our tradition, we say you get it at your baptism when you're a helpless little baby and you've done nothing to earn it. You get all of this, all of this in Christ. I came home yesterday, I flew home from Tennessee, I was doing some music for a conference there, and I was reminded that years ago, years and years ago, when I first started flying, um, you would pay one price up front, and you would get, like, everything that came with your trip. You know, you, you, get, your, you get to check your bag, you get a seat, you get to choose your seat. Um, now, of course, you get charged for every single thing. If you would like to breathe more than 10 times on a Delta flight, you get charged, don't you? If you, I'm, I'm pr pretty, pretty soon we're going to be charged for using the bathroom on the, on, the, on the trip. I'm frightened about that. Listen, this is not how God's grace works. This is not what it looks like to live the blessed life as Christians. God doesn't divvy out a little bit of blessing at your baptism and then a little bit more when you continue to follow Him by age 10 at confirmation, or, and then a little bit more at 17, a little bit more when you're 60. God doesn't uh, give you a little bit more blessing in response to your good deeds. He 
lavishes his blessings on you from the very beginning. Do you see the heart of the Father? He loves to give us gifts. He loves it. Every spiritual blessing, Paul says. That's the first truth from Ephesians chapter 1. God's blessings are comprehensive. I wish we had time to talk about this, but I'd love to, I just want to point out to you, and this is an important theological point about Ephesians chapter 1, God's gifts and blessings are not just comprehensive in their scope, they're comprehensive in their origin. I'll just point out that Father, Son, and Spirit are all represented in this passage. It's not just that we get all of God's blessings, God's blessings come from all of God. All of God. Father is doing this. Son is doing this. Spirit is doing this. Uh, And they all flow from one another. The Father decrees it. The Son comes down to earth and enacts it. And then the Spirit applies it. All of God, all of God's blessings lavished upon you and I, His beloved. Here's the second truth about God's blessings. They're centered in Christ. They're Christ-centered. You cannot disconnect God's blessings from Jesus Christ. Um, That is to say, these blessings from God upon you and me and the church, they depend upon us being in Christ because Christ won them for us. In this passage, in in, uh, verses 3, I think it's through 15 or 16, Paul uses the phrase or some version of the phrase, in Christ, in Christ, through Christ, in Him. Um, God's blessings then are certainly uh, for everyone, and then there are a list of blessings that we've just read that are for those who are in Christ. Friends, this is why at our cathedral, Jesus Christ will always be central, because without Christ, we have none of these things. We are a Christian church. We are unified with Jesus. Think of all the ways in the Scriptures in which we we are given this image of being unified with Jesus, united with Jesus. For example, we are His bride, right? We are married to Jesus. He is our spouse. We are made one with Him. In baptism, we talk about being buried with Christ in baptism. That is to say, we're unified with Jesus in His death. Then we're unified with Jesus in His resurrection because we're raised to walk in newness of life. We even eat of Jesus, His body and blood from John chapter 6. We're going to do it today. We are united with Christ. Why is this so important? Because without that unification with Jesus, we have nothing from God the Father. It all comes from our being in Christ. You say, Josh, I want to be in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? Um, I won't ask you to turn there now, but I'm going to read for you a couple of phrases from our baptismal liturgy. This comes from the vows that parents or those who are being baptized make. This is page 302 in the Book of Common Prayer. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. You say, Josh, what does it mean to be in Christ? I want to be in Christ. I don't know if I'm in Christ, but I want to be. I want these blessings. How do I do it? How do I say it? How do I pray it? Ultimately, I would tell you this is between you and God. I don't know what the exact words are. I don't know how you in your heart and your life, body and soul, commit your whole self to Jesus to be in Christ. But here's a good start. Here are some words that might be 
useful. Page 302 in the Book of Common Prayer. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Yes, I renounce them because I want to be in Christ. Do you renounce all the sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Answer, I renounce them because I want to be in Christ. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept Him as your Savior? Yes, I want to be in Christ. Do you put your whole trust in His grace and His love? Yes, God, I want to be in Christ. I want your blessings. I want to be in Christ. One of my friends in uh, Lacanto, Pastor Ray Cortez, talks about being Christ, uh, particularly in the image of marriage. He says, you know, being in Christ is not really a, an I don't know kind of a thing. Are you married? Kind of married? Like, you would never say kind of, you know. You're either married or you're not. Are you in Christ? It's a yes or a no answer. Are you in Christ? Do you know you're in Christ? Do you want these blessings? Paul invites us today be in Christ. Know that you're in Christ. I would just add to that that being in Christ, like being married, is the sort of re-up kind of thing. Every day after that great wedding ceremony, are you married? Yes, I am married, and I want to stay married. Are you in Christ? The second truth about God's blessings is not just that they're comprehensive in origin and scope, but they are centered and connected to Jesus Christ. We are unified with Him. Here's the third truth about God's blessings from Ephesians 1. They're very costly. Very costly. Have you ever uh, been to a restaurant where the prices are so high uh, that they're not even listed? <laughs> that, that's when I know I'm in trouble, right? That's when Josh knows he's in trouble. I think that's when Mindy knows that she is right at home. Luxury. What are the prices? Don't need them, don't care. I'll, I'll have that, please. How much do, do God's blessings cost? Oh, I, I know, God helps those who help themselves, right? No, that, friends, just, just FYI, that is not in the Bible. That is not a Bible verse. Our kids will not be learning that over in the nursery. God helps those. No, because God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who know they are helpless and have no hope apart from Him. And then what does He do? He lavishes upon you the blessings of heaven. How much do God's blessings cost? What's the price tag? Priceless. That's the cost. Priceless. Here's the catch, though. We don't have to pay. In fact, as you may already know, we could never pay what it costs to get God's blessings. In uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and 3, those chapters are filled with what theologians call uh, the, the, the biblical uh, indicative, the biblical indicative. That is to say, what is true about you. For example, our, in our passage, what's true about you? What's true about you is that you're forgiven, redeemed, adopted, that His lavish love has been bestowed upon you, that you're, you've inherited, and so on and so forth. All past tense, notice that. This because that's the indicative. This is what God has done for you. This is your, this is true of you. Now then, in chapter 4, 4, not chapter 1, 2, or 3, chapter 4, then Paul gets to the imperative. That is, 
Here's the command. So Christian, you are forgiven, loved, redeemed, adopted. Now go do this in chapter 4. 1 through 3, what's true of you, what God has done for you. Chapter 4, how we respond. So let me be clear, it's not true that God helps those who help themselves. Unlike our world, God's blessings are not earned, they're not deserved. We sing in the hymn, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul in and of myself, I to thy fountain fly from Rock of Ages. We sang it uh, growing up in, in a hymn in Sunday school I learned, Jesus paid it what? All. And here's the thing, it's not just the cross of Christ that pays the cost to get you these blessings, to get me these blessings. It's his life. It's his obedient, faithful life to God. That paid the price. It's his death, certainly. That paid the price. It's his humility to come down from heaven, as we'll say just a minute in the creed. That paid the price, all of it. He paid everything. You owe nothing. But don't you want to give him your life? Don't you want to? After he's blessed you so much. God's blessings are comprehensive. They're costly beyond measure. Jesus has paid it, and they're centered in him. I'll close with this illustration. There's a gentleman from Maryland uh, 10 years ago, I think now. He, he was in his 40s, an auto mechanic. He had a wife and a daughter, you know, just kind of, um, kind of your, your average Joe, working on cars Monday through Friday. Um, and he decided to, uh, to, to jump online and to start digging around in that website, Ancestry.com. Are you familiar with it? Ancestry.com. You can sort of, you can find out, you know, where your, your heritage is, where your, your lineage is. Um, so come to find out, this auto mechanic in Maryland discovers that he is royalty, English royalty. He is in the line of a king of so-and-so whose castle is still standing in England. Well, of course, he's overjoyed. Now, I just have to, to mention that, uh, doing a little read, you can read up on this, but the, 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 uh, the folks who were, the citizens in England who were under his reign at that point were not super happy that an American was coming over to be their king, I guess, or, or whatever. To their... He told his wife, told his, they did a TV show about him, and you can, you can watch it. Hidden royalty, hidden royalty, working on cars, but actually in the line of a king. There's another uh, article online that talks of a couple of, couple of gentlemen, uh, I think, and, and one woman um, worked as custodians or janitors or, or, or what have you. And um, the, 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 the report on their life is that they went from being custodians and janitors to millionaires. How did they do it? Well, because, you know, they, they, they worked their tails off. That's how. You got some of us in the country working our tails off, we become millionaires, and then we're blessed. Others discover that in the midst of their auto mechanic job, they're just hidden royalty by lineage. That's a different kind of thing. David Howe from Maryland, working on those cars, did not do a single thing to get that royalty.
brothers and sisters, in Christ, you are royalty. You are sons and daughters of the King. What blessings out of the riches of God's blessings, the riches of His storehouse, the riches of your Father's storehouse, what blessings do you need today? What blessings? Do you need to know that He has a plan? He's going to make sense of all this mess, gather it up in Jesus Christ? Have you forgotten that you're loved beyond measure like an adopted child? Did you mess up bigger than you wish you ever had this past week? God offers you his forgiveness. It's free and it's lavish. Lord, help us as we come to your table now, not just to believe and intellectually grab a hold of these truths, but help us to taste them, to smell them, to touch them, to digest them in your body and blood, soul, and divinity. We pray in Jesus' victorious name. Amen.